Day 26 in the building. Here we are, Colorado Springs. What time is it right now? It's 8 o'clock, basically, 7.59. And uh, I'm here with my cousin, Casey. And um, I I asked, uh, uh, it was a day ago, if he'd be willing <clears throat> to share his story. And I think, it, I think it creates a different platform from what I've been doing, but also incorporating the stoicism of what I've been talking about with the book that I've been, you know, you know, it's not a book, it's a journal. Mm. Have you ever heard of Marcus Aurelius? No, I haven't. No, so Marcus Aurelius was a, he, he ruled Rome. He was an emperor for one of the longest times during a pandemic and constantly at war with like Germany and, every, and everybody else. Con- consistent war, consistent um, um, chaos threw in Rome and everything that was happening and he had to rule it and he would say things like one of my favorite quotes from him is do not act as if you're going to live 10,000 years death hangs over you while you live while it's in your power be good if you hear if you hear that in the background yeah. that's a rider that's one of the that's one of the dogs half pit bull half what half pit bull half what half lab he's he's the one of the most beautiful dogs you could ever be around I mean, you wouldn't want to walk in the door if you were by yourself. No. I'll tell you that much. Might get you. He, he will get you. He <laughs> will get you. So I'm going to give him a little backstory right now with the people that don't know yep. what's popping off. I mean, I've known you since you were born, yep. right? Since a little kid. I've done construction with your father um, from Victoria, Texas. I remember I stepped under your... Your 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 mom and dad, at the time, didn't it was a studio apartment basically, and I don't think people knew back then what a studio apartment was, but it was a pullout couch, and my bed was underneath the pullout couch, and I would sleep under there, and every day you'd wake up looking, you know, your mom would say, your mom told me a story once that you would look for me because I'd be underneath the couch, oh yeah, because I'd sleep under there, and then as I grew up, I I ended up. You know, everybody became distant. Your mother and father separated. Yep. I lived in Ocampo. Everybody kind of separated. We can we can touch on a little bit of our father's history and fatherhood and, and where we're at with it all. But um, but but the beautiful thing is that that I've realized, like I, I've been telling the people, and and I've been thinking to myself, it's like, man, I've come. What a beautiful blessing it's been for me to work with your father and then work for you. What a generational, I mean, what an amazing, like, no, I don't think people can experience that yeah. in a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Like, I've been able to work with your dad out in the field, doing construction, doing all that, and here I am, and it's freezing today. It's oh, like yeah. negative whatever. Yeah. And I've been able to work with you, and and, uh, and what do you think about that, man? What, how, how do you feel about that process and what's been going on? I think it's just, uh, just fam- you know, family looking out for family and, and helping each other out. You know, that's what... We've always been about, you know, just when you're in need, you know, reach out to a family member and, you know, see see if they can give you a hand. And I and I appreciate, you know, the help you've been helping me out. You know, I'm, I just recently started a business, a restoration company myself, and it's it, you know, it was tough at the beginning, you know, and now things are are, are moving forward. So, uh, you know, I just I called upon you to help me out, you know. Uh, advertisement you know is a big thing nowadays and um so 
So that's that's where I'm at now. I yeah. I know and I dig that. And I, I'm glad that and I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Cause I think I think it makes me and even with my family that I'm connecting with through being in communication helps out like in a big way to to understand that fam- how important family is. Yeah. How important it is to be able to call on people that can show up and help you. And how I, I think a lot of us are like that. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of our family oh, yeah. on the Hus- on, yeah, it's, yeah, all, it's yeah. all about getting out there and, and hustling and grinding, you know, to make, make ends meet. Yeah. I, I know I know that's been you know, a lot of our family working in construction and stuff, you know, at a young age, you know, and, and me, you know, being around my dad at a young age, seeing how, you know, the construction life and, and, you know, he was, he was already, of course, like in the supervisor position, you know, but him putting me out there learning different things and, um, just taught me never, you know, to always, always want to learn and soak in as much information off other people as, as possible, you know, cause these older generations do stuff other ways that we don't, you know, and, and, uh, a lot of times, a lot of that information doesn't get passed along. Uh-huh. And it, I, I, I think that's one big thing nowadays is, you know, reach out to those older people and, and, uh, you know, just sit down and talk to them and see, you know, or I know, I know I've worked with a couple older guys doing restoration and seeing how they, uh, they may, they may look at it a, a totally different way and I'll sit there, I'll listen to them. Oh man, that that's so much easier. Look, you know, this is how I was doing it, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think that's one thing that's real big is is just you know listening to you know an older generation, you know, getting getting some advice. I feel that I feel that especially in the work that's <clears throat> happening because I mean you're doing things like I tell you like I've never used this tool like oh, the yeah. wet saw. I've never cut tile. Yeah. I've never, I've never, um, what, what, what is it you put on the wall that, that, that sticks oh, the tile to the wall? Oh, the, uh, yeah, the mortar. The mortar that sticks it. Like, I, like, you walk in, you walk into a home and you think, oh man, they just, it pop, it pops together like, yeah. like, like a potato man head oh, or yeah. something. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's not like that. Yep. There are so many details. And for people that are listening right now, appreciate the people that, that have appreciation for the details. Because you could have somebody that could come in, not screw in your electrical right. You could have somebody that comes in, not do your tile right. You could have people that come in that crack stuff and it's it's insane, man. Oh, yeah. It's insane. Like so so the work, I'll say the, the work this week has been really amazing. Let let's let let's let them know what we've done like a couple of things that we've done this week. Pop off like pop off a couple of things we've done. Um, some drywall repairs, uh, landscaping, uh, you know, finishing up a, a flip house, you know, just all the small details like the hardware and bathrooms, uh, you know, throwing throwing an, uh, some extra cord around uh, around some base baseboards, um, just to you know make it more presentable and, and look nice. Um, it's but it's been a lot of, like. All those details and everything you could explain, like nobody would understand. Even that, even work I've done, drilling holes for electrical that you got to get through and replace, oh, yeah. replace drywall and all that. It's mm-hmm. all, it's all really crazy, man. So I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a deep dive right now. Take a deep yeah. dive right now with you. So let us know a little bit about yourself and where you've been. Like what's popped off with you, man? Because so, I know 
I know that I'm gonna let the, I'm gonna let you know you you've been in combat. Oh yeah. You've had things happen to you, and you've come back. You have a family. You're supporting a beautiful family. You have a beautiful home. And walk us through that journey, man. Like, like what happened after graduation, going into, you know, doing what you did. Like, t- tell, tell us a little bit about that. So, uh, I graduated high school uh, from Faith Academy in Victoria, Texas. It was a private school. Graduated uh, 2005. I, uh, I was a ball player, baseball player. Uh, wanted to play college ball. Just uh, never got, you know, scouts or anything checking me out or anything like that. But I, I, I think one regret, one regret I have is, is not trying to, like, walk on to, like, a junior college or something like that. But uh, so after that, I, I, I attended a junior college in uh, Bryan College Station in Texas uh, called Blinn Community College. And uh, – I had a, one of my roommates was a good best uh, buddy of mine, Grayson Graves from Victoria, Texas, and we uh, started started college right after that. Um, you know, freshman year. Uh, of course, I I got up there and just just started partying too much. You know, uh, try you know college you know colleges you know and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. so I I I you know was missing some classes here and there and just wasn't focused like I should have been. And that, you know, that's one, one thing I regret is, you know, when you're, when you're young and you're in, you know, you're in that, you know, you started, I started living on my own, you know, no rules, no nothing. It's just, it, it's hard. You know, it's, you, you really, you don't realize what you're in until you're in it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, at that time I, I, uh, another buddy of mine, uh, that, that actually lived there, uh, cause I lived there for like three years during my childhood, um, reached out to me and he wasn't doing too good in school either. So he was like, Hey man, let's, let's go check out, uh, some recruiters for arm. He's like, let's go to all the branches, you know? And I was like, all right, I'm down. You know, I, I didn't, you know, at, at that point in my life, I never really thought about the military or even thought about doing anything like that. And, uh, nothing influenced you like movies or nothing. Nah, nothing not was not like really. It was, it. it was just like a, in the moment, you know, let's go. And, and I went and, uh, the first, the first recruiter we talked to was an army recruiter. And, uh, so went in there, talked to him, uh, you know, asked us what, you know, what we enjoyed doing, what, you know, what kind of job we were looking for in the military or what, what brought us in. And we just, said, you know, we're not doing too good in college. And of course, you know, they're like, oh, we could, we could take care of that. We could, you know, we'll take care of your student loans, all, all this stuff, you know, we'll help you out, get in college and stuff like that. So I just, I got really interested really, really fast. And uh, I never, I never walked out of that recruiter's office and went, went to any other branch. Like once I walked in the army, it was kind of like, I just thought they were, they were the best, you know, they were, you know, first ones in, first ones out, you know, type thing you know, come, you know, come find out Marines and stuff do, you know, do, do, uh, go in sometimes first and stuff like that. So it, it, it just depends what type of war, you know, you're in. So, so you, you were introduced to that. There you are. How do you tell the people, your family and everybody that this is what I'm about to do? I'm about to, I'm about to jump into this. Well, how I'll does, tell you my mom that, and everybody how, wasn't how happy at first. Keep, keep talking. But, uh, so I did, I went in, 
talked to him, found found out that you know this this job as a as a calf scout is something that uh-huh. I I wanted to do. Um, and it's it's a cavalry scout, and what what their the main job was reconnaissance of uh, missions yeah. and reporting back, you know okay. what what you see and stuff. Uh-huh. So I just I decided that that was something that I was very interested in wanted to do. So they they had told me uh, I could go to Houston Meps and and take the ASVAB and everything. And as long as I scored high enough, I you know that, if that's what I wanted to do, I could do it. So I then, you know, I remember reaching out to my mom and telling them, like, hey, I'm going to join the military. And, of course, it was like, no, you're not. (laughs) But I'm sure a lot of parents, you know, don't, you know, that that you got to think this is a time of war, you know. Yeah. Um, So she knew, you know, what was going on. And I I don't think I ever really broke down, like, hey, this, you know, it's a combat MOS or nothing like that. It was just kind of, hey, I want to join, you know, the Army and, and this, this, and that. So, ended up uh, going, taking the test, passed. You know, uh, so I like within three months, they're like, we could, we could ship you off. You know, to uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. So I, uh, I told them, you know, I wanted to do it. You know, I, I then went, you know, went back home, talked to my mom and everybody, and they ended up, you know, supporting me throughout my whole military career. Uh-huh. But. Uh, so I joined in January of 2006. I, I took off to basic training in Fort Knox, Kentucky. And here I am, a Texas boy. Wasn't ready for the cold. Oh, man. And January in Kentucky is cold. And uh, Cold like it is out here in Colorado? Oh, yeah. yeah Same they, kind they, of cold? They get, they get some cold front snow. I mean, I remember walking in knee-deep snow to a, a shooting range one time. And, I mean, I'm... You're wearing everything that they give you. How much does it weigh? Oh, probably, I mean, anywhere from probably like 50, 60 pounds, you know, not, nothing crazy. Uh, but I'm talking about all the cold weather gear underneath you, you know. But you don't realize once you start walking and moving, your body starts sweating, you know. Yeah. So it, you do get hot, but at the same time, you're, you know, you're walking through a snowstorm trying trying to get to a range. Come, to, We got to this range, and they're like, hey, sorry, all the... Uh, all the silhouettes are frozen. They won't even come up to shoot. So it was just a... Just a walk? Just a walk there and turn around (laughs) and walk walk back. And I mean, luckily, I think it was only like three miles or something, but still, you know, and, you know, here here I am, a 19-year-old kid, you know, and I I didn't know any better, you know, or or anything like that. It was, it, it was a, it was a, uh, eye opener, in other words, you know, what what, you, I, what I got myself into. Were you already in a relationship with Casey? Just to give people information, my cousin Casey's name is Casey, and his wife's name is Casey. Yeah. Were you already in a relationship at the time? Yeah. So me and her dated in in high school, um, and then she was a year younger than me. So like when I when I went off to college, we kind of separated a little bit, and uh, she already known each other, but y'all weren't yeah. y'all weren't together no. at the time when you first joined. No. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So then uh, I joined the military and, and took off. And then uh, after basic training and stuff, uh, I got I got stationed at Fort Hood, Texas, which I joined the Army to get away from Texas. Like just to, you know, yeah, I wanted to travel. I, 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 picked, yeah. I picked Hawaii, Korea, or Germany, <laughs> farthest places away. And I got stationed three hours from home. Wow. But uh, I take it as a blessing because 
then I started talking to my wife again and it was, you know, like high school all over again. Um, and so then what happens, so then what's, what happens then to where the point where you're in Texas and they're like, yo, we're going to shoot you across the Atlantic. Like, how does that work out? Uh, it, I mean, it was, I, I knew, like I said, I knew it was a, it was a time of war. I knew I was going to go to war. Um, so I just, you know, took all the training that I had and, and just stayed focused, you know, that, that's one thing. And that's what, I, that's why I married Casey is because she was a strong supporter of the military and, and any, any decision that I made at that time, you know, both of us at a young age, 19, 20 years old, um, it was, it was, it was just, I don't know. It was crazy. Like I, I see, I seen a lot of military families, like older men that were in with wives and stuff. And, and I just, it, it just stuck, stuck to my head. Like, man, this, this is a real woman. You know, she's, she's here supporting me. Any decision that I make, you know, she's not, she's not going to leave my side. Like she wants to be there 24 seven, you know, but I, you can't take your wife to, to war. Yeah. But, uh, was that, with do you feel like in any way, because we both, we both didn't have our fathers around. Do you feel in any yeah. way that that influenced like your decision to make that happen? Or was that like just, man, it's upbringing. I'm, I'm the man I am right now and I'm going to make this choice right now. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I, I really, I mean, it, it is hard, you know, like growing without a dad. Uh, I did have a, a stepfather that, you know, like I, you know, me and him, like any step, step parents, a lot of them, you know, you don't, you don't see eye to eye, you yeah. know? So we had some disagreements and stuff on, on certain things, but, uh, I just, I just took it as, you know, being a, being a young man and, you know, stepping up and just being like, man, I'm not, I'm not looking back, you know, like, yeah, this is my, my eyes are set on this, this is what I want to do. I, I wanted to make it a career 20 years in the military and, uh, you know, God had other plans, but, uh, so I, I deployed to, uh, Iraq in 2007. Uh, I think it was November 2007. So you got to think a private, you know, I was a private brand new, went to basic January 06. Within like a year, what, a little over a year and a half, I was, bam, overseas. Dang, in man. It, you know? In it. And so, yeah, it was, you were in it to where it was legit, like, People throwing bombs. People oh yeah, well, so everything. so like Iraq, like you I, show up the first day and it's gunfire right away, or what's nah, happening? No, nah, nothing like that. Like so, Iraq. I was there from o, o seven, November oh seven to uh, January two thousand nine. It was a fifteen month deployment, um, and the whole time I was there, it was a lot of uh, IEDs. Uh, I was near the Iraq Iran border at the time, so a lot a lot of some of the stuff they were saying we were hitting was old anti-tank mines from the Russian uh, war. Old, old, yeah, damn. old, old. Damn. But we would find like caches of like you know stuff from insurgents that were they were bringing it across the border either from Iran. But you never hear about that in the news, like no. old stuff that's no. popping off. Oh yeah, it's all like they did this right now and it's happening no. right now towards yeah. us. So that's I mean, crazy. Who, who's to know that? A lot of that was insurgent. It could have just been old stuff we were just running over. <laughs> Damn. Know? But it was, I mean, and luckily we were in uh, uh, Bradley's. We had Bradley's tanks, and uh, then they had implemented uh, those MRAPs that they use nowadays. And it, they have like a V-shaped hole. 
to. You, so you, has he hit one in a, in a Bradley? Have you, I, were you ever in I, one? I, I never was struck in one with the vehicle. It was crazy. I, I went on leave uh, in May, and the the week that I left, my I was a driver for a lieutenant colonel. I was part of his PSD, and uh, it's a personal security attachment. And the week that I went on leave, his truck hit uh, an IED. And he, Dang. when I got back, he's like, you're never leaving my side again. You know, like I was like his good luck charm or something. Yeah. But, uh, so Iraq, I never, never received a cab. Like I never seen. What's a cab? Uh, combat action badge. Okay. I've never seen like, I never, I mean, I was there. I've seen like the aftermath of stuff, but I was never there when like they shot at us or an IED went off, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. right. You know, while we're driving or anything crazy like that, it was always the aftermath I seen. Um, so I, I took all the knowledge and everything I learned from, you know, uh, sergeants and stuff that trained me. And by the end of that deployment, uh, I became promotable. And I think what, as soon as I got back, I was promoted to sergeant. Um, with, so within like, you know, my first three years in the military, I was, I was a sergeant. Damn. That's so, dope, man. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, a. I was a squared away soldier, you know, I tried, I tried my best, uh, expert, you know, marksman, uh, like shooting, um, stuff like that. And that's kind of why I got picked to be on that personal security attachment. I had like, I would always score like a 300, which is like the highest PT score you can score. Um, so they, one day before we deployed, I, I was actually in the motor pool loading the, the Bradleys up on a train and this, this big sergeant came and he's like, I want, I want, uh, I want the guys with the highest PT score, uh, expert in shooting. And so like my platoon sergeant PT's grabbed, physical training, right? Yeah. Yeah. My platoon sergeant grabbed like two or three of us and he's like, here they are. And the dude just was like, you, you, and you, and like grabbed me. <laughs> oh man. And, uh, so I didn't even know what, what I was being picked for, you know, it was just, it was, it was crazy. And, uh, that's one thing about the military is, I mean, you, you don't you don't know i mean tomorrow can change you know like yeah. you don't know what you're going to be doing where you're going to be going i mean it's you're, you're 365 days 24 7 they can call upon you to do anything you know so so let's let's jump let's jump the big boat yeah and tell them about when you got blown up because oh yeah you got blown up because i was in I, I was in los angeles at the time when i got the phone call from yeah. abra I think Abra had reached out to everybody. Yeah. And so my cousin, it was an, it was a, what, what would you call it? Like you got hit by an uh, IED. An uh, IED. Well, it was a dismounted IED because I was walking. So tell them what an IED so, is. Uh, Let them know what an IED uh, is. An IED is an improv- improvised explosive device that they, I mean, it could be C4, it could be, a lot of it over there is they use like fertilizer and stuff to build like homemade explosives, you know, and, uh, because fertilizer is real toxic and that's something easy access they can get from all the farming and stuff. So my second deployment was uh-huh. uh, to Afghanistan. And uh, I was in, I was on like the west, like the, the western side, uh, kind of like in the middle. Uh, I can't, I can't remember the. the in Afghanistan. Yeah. You were, like, you were like, okay. Off the top of my head. But uh, so. I get over there in 2000. So I got stationed at Fort Carson, Colorado. 
in 2009 and then uh, I trained here for like two years and then found out we we're going to Afghanistan in 2011. So I got there in uh, July of uh, 2011 and it, we were in a we were in a pretty pretty stronghold of Taliban. Uh, they were well known in, in the town that we were uh, patrolling in and the people the unit we replaced was a uh, they were combat engineers, so a lot of them, they didn't really do like patrolling through the town. It was a, a lot of mounted patrols that they did. They, because they don't go kick doors down. That's not their job, you know. So, but, but so like you, I said, you, you were kicking doors down. Oh yeah. So well, I, I, you never told me that you yeah. were actually in a, in the process of walking in place. Yeah. So, doors so down? a lot of things changed in the military. Like I was a cap scout, but we ended up starting to train, like learn uh, infantry tactics. And we had to learn like how to clear, how to clear, you know, it, it's kind of like, I don't know, like being a scout, you, it, they called it a, it's 19 Delta and uh, uh -huh. man, I can't remember the little, uh, and 19, uh, but anyway, but what, but at, at what point did they, did they like say, I, I know through training and everything. So you're walking in and you're kicking down doors and you'd see what you'd see. Like what, what would. Just, what would you see most of the I time mean, they were kicking down doors and making that happen? Just, I mean, families, I mean, li living their normal life in a, in a, like a mud hut or, you know, whatever kind of building structure. A lot of, some of them were center block, you know, but a lot of metal doors and, uh, and stuff like that. But it wasn't, Dang. yeah, it was, That's I mean, crazy, it was crazy. Man. It was crazy. So us, us being, you know, scouts and stuff. My my commander and stuff, they're like, no, we're gonna we're gonna clear this town. We're gonna make it, you know, known that we're here. So yeah. within that first week, you know, we're clearing clearing buildings, let, walking through the town, letting them know that we're here. Yeah. And I mean, Taliban are smart. They're they're just like me and you would be, you know, just watch. They sat there and watched us for a couple of weeks until the first firefight popped off, and that was that was they, the first yeah, time I had ever been shot at, you know, and and just hearing uh. Hearing those little cracks, you know, it almost sounds like uh, like twigs. Dang. Twigs are popping, and yeah. uh, that's when you know, you know, you know, rounds are, are close. Um, Casey, we're we're I'm, I'm doing a I, I do a podcast, and I've been I'm on day twenty six right now on a thirty day challenge. I'm I'm, I'm talking to my cousin Casey. No, but I'm I'm so right now, my cousin Casey's wife Casey is in in the building. She's yeah. here right now. <laughs> And would you be willing to share with that little bit of moment where you got that phone call so we could hear, like, so my people could hear, like, what you went through when you heard about what was popping? Can you can you come a little closer, too? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we're sharing this with my family. We're documenting family stuff. So what happened in that moment when you heard? Well, we didn't even well, get yeah, to share yeah, it. We didn't even I'll, share it. Like, like, yeah. like, let them share what even popped off. So I'm, that, I'm jumping that, the gun. Yeah, I'm jumping let me the know. gun. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that day... Uh, was uh so I was like I said I was there in July stuff started popping off within a couple weeks you know uh you know we were getting ambushed uh by small arms fire while we're walking we're getting hit with uh while we're in mounted vehicles you know uh I I had never seen a recoilless rifle round which I don't I don't know if many people that? watch uh Black Hawk Down but that big old thing at the beginning when it's like it looks like an RPG mounted to a truck mm -hmm. and they shoot a rocket out of it. That's you got hit was. by one of those? No, so like one of our other, our lead truck got hit with one and it got stuck in the windshield and didn't go off or the guys wouldn't oh be here today. Oh my God. So they, they were able to drive it back to the 
J-Cop parked it outside till EOD came and, and you know, took it out and uh, got rid of it. Um, so I then got in a vehicle because I was the next uh, seniority uh, sergeant. And he and my platoon sergeant's like, hey, we're going back. We're getting back in the spot. We're going to find out where these guys are. Uh-huh. Go, go out there. As, as soon as we get in this open field, my platoon sergeant says, hey, we took fire from that compound right there on the left as soon as i hear that boom and i see this red dot just coming straight at us and i'm like oh shit you know and so and a, red, I, a red dot like a like a like what you see on that scope mic kind of thing or oh, just, just i mean it was just red all, all i seen was just red just coming straight at us and my my gunner it was a missile coming at you it was a rocket it was a, it was a rocket, rocket coming at you grenade damn from the, these things and and so uh it goes, luckily it went right over his head, the gunner's head. And he's like, you know, he's like, Sergeant, they shot it. I was like, shoot, you know, what are you doing? Shoot, you know? So he started engaging in this compound. All the all our vehicles pulled up and we just unloaded on this compound. And we got, we got into, probably, I mean, that little firefight was probably like maybe a couple hours, you know, till it was already late in the What afternoon. do you mean like a couple hours? What's a couple hours in the military gunfight? Probably gun like two, two, three hours. You're talking about you're shooting at people and people are shooting you for two or three hours? Yeah, straight. Bruh. Yep. I can't, I can't deal with an argument for 30 oh, yeah. minutes. Yeah. You're talking about people are shooting at you and you're, so you're unloading, loading, unloading, oh, yeah. loading. Well, so we were mounted. So the majority of the fight was, you know, the gunner. Uh, but whoever, you know, dismounts in the back or, or grabbed an empty uh, uh, ammunition cans, you know, from them and handing them up new ones and he's reloading. Damn, and, and you kind of, I mean, you got, you have to think about your, your ammo, you know, too. Like, hey, we're not just spraying at nothing. Like, try to, try to find targets and, and you know, engage. Um, mm-hmm. But that was, that was just one of the, you know, firefights and stuff we had been in. But anyway, the, so... December 1st is the day that I, I received my Purple Heart. And uh, that day we were on a, a dismounted patrol. Um, what does that mean? Huh? Dismounted patrol. What Just does that walking, mean? walking through the town. So you're so walking no, through. No, walking. Ve- no vehicles with you. You're just. And why are you walking? Just because these parts of the town, you can't fit vehicles. Like our vehicles are so big that their roads and stuff are so tiny and. There's there's wadi systems. And what uh, what are you look what are you looking for? Just like why like why the it was just like it was supposed to just be a presence patrol, just letting them know, hey, we're here. You know, a lot a lot of times it was just you know letting the town know that hey, we're here to support y'all. If if you want to come talk to us, because we really what yeah, it was translators and people with yeah, you. We had we had translators. We had Afghan army with us that day. Um, so they're they were leading the patrol. There there we were there. Kind of just to support them, like let the people know you're here. Talk to them, you know. Find out, hey, it, you know, where's the Taliban? Where, where yeah, are they yeah, hiding? Yeah. What are they doing? You know, are, are is there a cache somewhere that we can go find and get? You know, we'll get them out of here for for you. Um, so that 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 morning was kind of awkward because, and they always say you get like a weird gut feeling, you know, when something bad's gonna pop off. And uh, that morning, I uh. We go to this A and A compound to pick them up, you know, to go on the patrol, and nobody's ready. Nobody, nobody's up. It, it was like a eight a.m. SP time, and 
you know, to us that that's pretty late. You know, we're used to getting up five, five forty-five, five thirty. You know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, being in formation by six thirty. But you know, got some breakfast in and went to this this compound. Nobody was ready. Then we we were uh, kind of short staffed at the time. Uh, you know, trying to leave people on the compound to um, just in case something pops off at the J cop. You know, just just the personnel that we had on on the ground. I think we only had like uh, anywhere from like eight to ten people. I think were on the ground, which normally you know you want to you want to probably have like I'd say twelve to sixteen to you know two sections that that can maneuver. So that day we were supposed to roll um, A and A, US, and then A and A, and then US in the in the rear. But for some reason that that day it, it felt awkward. So I I said something to uh, the section sergeant and said, hey, since there's only you know a few of us, I think we should roll in the middle together. You know that way. If anything pops off, we're all together, you know. We're yeah, not because yeah, yeah. we we had been in the firefight where they separated us. They started engaging in the middle of us, and we had to separate. So then there was only like four on four, you know, mm-hmm, something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, but that's that's their tactics, you know. They sit there, they watch you, you know. They they know how to engage. So uh, I brought it up to them. They're like, yeah, you know, that sounds that sounds good to us. You know, we'll we'll stay together. So A and A were in the front, we were in the middle, and then A and A Afghan Army was in the rear. We started this patrol, you know, late. Um, they weren't they weren't supposed to have cell phones and stuff because you know the, some of them are corrupt. They'll they'll yeah. call, make phone calls, and say, "Hey, we're walking well, yeah, on this road." Yeah. Well, I didn't know this at the time, but we started walking this patrol, and I guess there was some issues in the in the front of the formation that they had been they had found someone with a cell phone. So they took it away from them and all that. We're, we, we take off walking again. We do uh we did a short halt. And what's crazy is where where we did this short halt, it was just literally like maybe 50 to 100 meters from where this blast actually happened. Damn. So like where I think some of the front of them were stopped was on the IED. So you they know knew, that, you're saying they knew about it. I, I, I believe so. So then we get up, like, you know, over the radios, because I, I, I was a section sergeant at the time. They come over the radio, and they're like, hey, you know, we're ready ready to move. We start moving. Um, not even, I mean, within a minute or two, you know, of getting up and walking again, I just hear a boom. And that's, that's like the last thing. I mean, I... I remember, you know, I did I I don't uh I didn't like I came I kind of I heard the boom, I just noticed like a loud ring, everything went kind of black and next thing you know like I'm up against a wall and uh people are treating me um cuz you're are you bleeding, you're hurt, you're cut? Oh yeah, happening? yeah. So so my when I came when I kind of like came to I I reached with my glove, my left hand because I had my my rifle on my right, and I remember like my face feeling like my just like my face was just blown off, and so I reached up, I touched the left side of my face, and I just seen blood, and I was like, I'm done, like Damn. this is it, you know, I'm about to die right here. Damn. This is it, like that's how much blood I seen on my glove, and I'm just, I thought my face was, I thought it was gonna look like toothpaste, just gone, just gone, 
And uh, so they, you know, and, and I went, so I, I went into shock, you know, like uh, the people that came uh, up to me in my platoon were, you know, encouraging me like, hey man, you're good. You just got a cut on your, on your forehead. You're fine, you know. Um, but in my head, I'm thinking they're, of course, they're going to tell me all this, you know, stuff just to keep me calm, you know. Yeah. So that's always plays in your head. So we, they, they treat us they they try to call for medevac at at they weren't they weren't going to fly blackhawks into like a zone that they didn't know could be hot because i thought we were going to get ambushed like i was like man when we when something happens usually like someone's here they're going to hey, start yeah, they're, shooting they're you. you know they're you know it's going to be hard trying oh. to get out of here so that's why i was like i'm going to die here <laughs> oh my this god uh, having that conversation with yourself you're about to die oh yeah so when you have that conversation is there anything that pops up in your head like i'm going to and I just, did you have I a, did you want to give out any words like you were like I just no. I just remember like looking up and being like God just just let me make it just let me make it home to see my family that's it you know like I I don't care if I die there too later just let me let me see my family one more time don't let me die in this place you know out Dang, in the middle of nowhere feel, yeah. nothing so, so then what happens then what happens then? so, so, I, you, so I, I get up uh, we start they. They couldn't medevac us with the Blackhawks, so they're like, "Hey, we're gonna have to try walking back to where the trucks are," which was like already a mile away. So uh, damn, so you're blown up. You got a mile to mile go? to walk, and you're bloody. Your I'm ears bloody. are popped, right? Yeah, my my left eardrum is blown. I can't hear well. Um, you know, so they're like, "All right, let's go." You know, we start moving, and I re I remember, man, there there was a, there like within maybe two hundred meters walking back, there was this. Uh, older man just sitting outside in an all white man, man dress just sitting there just just mean mugging us and I remember I had my rifle in my hand I, I I like wanted to so bad but I knew you know Geneva Convention I didn't, we didn't have no threat you know nothing on him but I I, I wanted to kill him you like, wanted, I, I you thought that revenge, was him yeah, yeah I, I thought that was that him moment. Wow. So, so the human spirit of revenge right there oh, yeah. was living. Damn, yeah. that's crazy, man. And I, we had to just walk right by him. And I remember just, you know, cussing, yelling at him, just, you know, everything I could think of. And so we get going and I'm like, why, you know, why are we walking? What, what can we do to get out of here quicker, you know? And I, I think this was because I was blown up the adrenaline because like none of, none of the other sergeants or uh, platoon leader, anybody that was on the ground thought of this. But I remember seeing this like little motorbike. They they have like all these little uh, kind of like mini bikes, like, like bikes. a scooter, little, little, yeah, little, like little, little scooters bikes, yeah. like here that they use. And they have they had it had a, a trailer attached to it. And I was like, shit, throw me in because my medic got hit too. Uh, Dang. And, and I was like, throw us on the back of that and get us out of here. <laughs> yeah. But nobody knew how to start the bike. Nobody could figure it out. It was it was weird, you know. Uh, so then we're like, all right, you know, we, they grab us out of the trailer. They're like, all right, let's go. You know, so you start walking again. So and then I was like, the so I'm they like don't thinking, know the, oh, they threw you in the trailer. Yeah. yeah we were, we were and then they tried to get the bike going. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I mean, it was just a little, little tiny bike trailer, you know, like we could barely fit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get it. But the quicker you go. Yeah. yeah. We, we like needed to get out. And, uh, so then we start walking again. And I'm like, hey, call the platoon sergeant. He's, 
our platoon sergeant was back of the truck because, like I said, we leave people on trucks mounted just in case you know mm-hmm. something happens because they were going to try driving around to this field and try you know trying to find a way into town to get to us. Yeah. Well, he, uh, I was like, hey, he's at the, he's right there by a Afghan police station. They have trucks that fit down these roads. They're little Toyota, you know, uh, single cab trucks. And I was like, hey, they drive those down the road. Have them come pick us up. So sure enough, they they loaded one of the trucks up. My platoon sergeant has the body or the uh, GoPro, and so you, it's crazy watching. He he had actually has video. He started recording as soon as he shot up the nine line, which is uh, medevac. You know, telling the troop like, hey, we got you know we came in contact. We got two wounded in combat. You know, they they just send a, a nine line thing of your location, everything. Yeah. So, uh, we, uh, he ends up hopping on the truck and you see it, you know, he hops in the back of the truck and has footage of him driving down this road and he gets to us and I mean, you see us all bloodied up, you know, and, and, uh, my medic got it, had, had worse, uh, injuries than me. I, I kind of just got shrapnel all to my left side of my body, my arm, uh, my face lost, you know, uh, my eardrum. And then like some back injuries from the blast itself, but my uh, medic, he uh, all his. So I was on the the right side of the road. He was on the left. So all my stuff was on my left side of my body, and everything that happened to him was on his right side. Damn. But it broke his arm in like four places, his right arm, and it tore like tendons and stuff. He couldn't make a fist. Um, it was just crazy, man. It was just crazy, you know. But uh, that is crazy that you're put in that position. Yeah, and we we got. I remember we we got got back, got in that truck. They drove us back, and I remember just being you know being in pain, you know. But your adrenaline's pumping. You, you're you know you're just you're trying to just stay aware of your surroundings because anything could pop off. You know you're at war. Anything, you know? Oh yeah, you're man. At war. Anything at any given moment. Anything yep. at any any given moment. You know. So it was it was crazy, but uh, so we get we get back to the trucks. They they take us to our J cop. They call in Blackhawks. Blackhawks come pick us up, and I and I still, man, I, I remember this day just getting on that Blackhawk and and seeing all you know all my soldiers, all my you know sergeants, my peers, and everything, and just you know thinking like, man, I don't I don't want to leave I don't want to leave my brothers and stuff here, but I know like I was injured to the point where like I needed to get help. Um, so so I, I read Marcus Aurelius, and he 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 gives a moment where he says like. When you're on the battlefield and you're a man who needs help, don't be ashamed to ask for help. Oh yeah. So and and I, and I know you, you didn't even you didn't have to ask for help. They came to help you. Oh yeah. But how how did I mean within that moment and within the brink of death and within the thought of family, knowing you're thousands of miles away, wanting to see them and asking God, let me see them again. What 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 else would have fulfilled your soul? Within that moment, do you think? Do you think that if if it came to the if it came to the snap, you'd have been like, ah, the regret, or 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 would you have been at the moment where you're like, damn, I did what I had to do and I fulfilled my destiny? You yeah, know what I'm I saying mean, I'm trying to think about that because I think yeah. about that for my own life. Yeah, I, think I mean, that. nobody nobody wants to die at war, you know. But I see it as you know, I signed up, you know, to defend my country. I'm here defending my country. So, I mean, I, I think 
you know, like I said, when, when it went off and everything, I was like, God, just don't let me die here. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I'd rather it be me than, you know, some, one of my soldiers, you know, that, you know, just young kids. I, I don't know. I, I think I was 23, 24 at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I was still a young kid too, but I just, you know, being a sergeant, being brought up in the military like that at a young age, you're, you know, I'd, I'd rather put my life at risk than somebody else. Um, but that's that's just how, you know, you're trained, you know? Man. It's just, Man. It's, it's, a hard, it's a hard choice to live with. You know, I mean, or die with, you know, it's, it's yeah. just. And so, and so now we're wrapping up, man. We're wrapping right. it up right now and, and we're getting there. So where, where you, where are you at now with all that, that you have faced? I mean, from my perspective, you're here with your family. You're a great father. I know there's always struggles and familiars. Oh, yeah. Like it always yeah. like, with, with, with I mean, I, I think my big but, thing was, was get, was when I got out, you know, I got med boarded and I just. You know, it was hard at the beginning. You know, I got out in 2013 and just try, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life after the military. Because, like I said, I wanted the military to be a career. Yeah. You know, like I wanted to do 20 years, retire. And then, you know, I would have retired at, I think, 38, 39. And still, you know, still been able to probably, you know, have a job or something, you know, something small. Yeah. Um, But, live, you know, live life. Um, So I think... Uh, what was I going with? No, no, I'm saying like where you're at now and, and like, 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 what are you moving towards now? Like within all, I mean, I mean, come on, man. Like you've been through so much and I know we've talked about all the other little aspects of it, but like, what is the goal for yourself and your family for the next couple of years? Like, what are you looking at right now? My goal is just to be able to provide, you know, for them and, you know, all the sacrifices that I have made, I don't, I don't want my kids to have to live through that, you know, themselves. Like, I feel like I've sacrificed enough for our country that, you know, I mean, I, I know how my mom felt, you know, when, when I joined and stuff and I, I'd probably feel the same way. Um, but I, I think if one of my kids wanted, you know, was, was trying to join the military, you know, I would, I would have a good, you know, long conversation and tell them, you know, it's, it's not all, you know, there's good, there's good things that come from the military, but there's also bad, you know, bad things, uh, you know, and, and I think having the, having the mindset that, you know, you're going to see gruesome things. You're going to, you're going to see, you, you, especially if you're in a time of war, you know, you're going to see some, some pretty messed up stuff. And it's just having that mind that's able to control that and and not take it all personal because i i had to go through all kinds of ptsd uh classes group therapy i mean it's it's a lot it's intense you know and and you just you you have to learn how to cope with everything and and be in the civilian world and and that was my that was like i said it was that was a hard point in my life getting out because i felt like i abandoned my brother's overseas I, I wasn't there the last six months of their deployment they still went through stuff um but just just being being able to i guess cope with everything and and move on with your life you know i mean it's it's uh yeah. not for you for you you know could you get your mom down here real quick for a couple of seconds so we could talk to her if she's down yeah. if not it's all good 
Yeah. Because man, we've been going over a lot of oh, stuff, yeah. and I mean, I'm gonna put this in before, before um, before it's over. Because you know, every time that I'm that I have this conversation, I'm always sharing meditations from Marcus Aurelius, and I'm gonna I'm gonna share this right now within this moment because I think that for your brothers and people that have that have suffered so much and that are lost and that have died over there, imagine what they need to know. Or, uh, imagine of what they're going through mentally. And this, this hit me like for people in my, in, in the world, I know mm-hmm. in the artist world and everything. So I'm going to share this passage real quick. Think not so much of what you lack as of what you have, but of the things you have select the best and then reflect how eagerly you would have sought them. If you did not have them. Imagine that moment. people. Imagine that moment. How it is. So Casey girls here, we call her Casey girl. And I never heard that from my from my mother. And we went through a lot. We had a long conversation about this. But from your perspective, and the and 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 through the and through the through the you know, with that phone call, because I got that phone call when I was in LA and everything going on with Casey. And the reason I'm sharing this with Familia is a document what my cousin, my beautiful cousin that I've known since he was born, going through, and you went through it. So Break down a little bit about your relationship and what happened within that moment, because that's kind of what I'm sharing and how you've grown as a couple from here right now. Um, well, at that moment, um, of course, you know, you come friends with all the army wives in the platoon, you know, and so the medic, I'm sure he mentioned Gitchell, the medic that got injured with him. I yeah, he told me so that. Yeah. With Gitchell, uh, good friends with Gitchell's wife at that time. Um, so when that had happened with that incident, it was my time was about two, 2.06 in the morning, right? About two o'clock in the morning in Texas time. Um, got a phone call. It was uh, Chantel actually calling me and she was screaming and crying and everything, you know, of course, and trying to calm her down. And she, all she said was that, um, that the boys had gotten into a firefight and our two husbands were really injured. She goes, I was not supposed to know since Gitchell was a medic that um, he knew the um, paramedics, the helicopter people that came and rescued y'all, blew y'all out. So he persuaded them to uh, use that helicopter phone and call us before. So that's all I heard. And then I didn't hear back from anything. Like she didn't hear anything because I guess y'all got transferred to the hospital. So I didn't hear anything for about 24 hours. So, so I uh, didn't know if he made it, what happened, and everything like that until he was able to call me from the hospital. Wow. And when he calls, Casey's very good at like, hey, I'm okay, everything's okay throughout the whole deployment, you know. Other husbands will tell their wives, hey, we just got in this five-hour firefight, da-da-da-da, you know, it was scary, I'm, you know what I mean? And so I'll ask Casey, you know, even though, you know, he, I'm – more than likely, it's probably not a good thing to ask, but I would, hey, is everything okay? Have you had any firefights? You know, and he's just kind of so mellow about it and everything, chill, just, no, everything's fine, you know, no firefights, no nothing. So even when he had gotten injured, I already was crying once I heard his voice. And he was like, I'm okay, everything is fine, everything is fine, but, you know, but in reality. It wasn't, you uh-huh. were a little messed up. Oh, oh yeah. So, What's that moment where you had to get on the plane with him? With he, like, I remember you told me something like you had to fly over. Yep. You I, had to fly overseas? No, so, I didn't get to fly overseas or anything like that. But he got transported. It was from 
Kuwait in any way well, no, to, I went from, uh, or no, I went from Afghanistan to Afghanistan, Germany, Germany, and then that's where I found out I had, you had two in my sir, pelvis. Yep. And so, so, like, I was, I was scared because I know, like, that's a bad, that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I asked the, the people there, I'm like, hey, why is it my family coming out to see me? Like, what if I die here? You know, because I, I, I knew about uh, being close to explosions like that having internal bleeding and them not yeah. being able to, to do anything or, or no, you know, so like you could die days later from an, an explosion from internal bleeding that you didn't even know of. So I was scared, you know, but of course, like I didn't, you know, I didn't tell them or anything. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I had to stay in Germany for like four days and, uh, you know, I, I had access to phones and all that. So, so how, how is something so traumatic affected your family, but also brought your family together in a sense. Is there anything that you could share with that with the people? Like, how is that? Is there anything you could share like that? Because that is... you, I feel like to me, my perspective, you just never know when your loved ones can go. You never mm. know when is the last time that I'm going to hang up and say I love you or, you know, give you a hug or something like that. So, I mean, just never take your loved ones for granted. That's, totally... That's dope. That's dope. What about yeah. you? What you got to say about that? Because uh, it's always so fleeting. Marcus Aurelius says, death is always at our elbow. Don't oh, pretend yeah. you're going to live for 10,000 years, which is one of my favorite quotes that I, that I read. I'll share that with you. I read mm-hmm. this book every day so yeah. you can oh, read cool. the highlighted part. Yeah, mm-hmm. And that's what I share through this podcast and with my people. But, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? How do you feel that's brought your life to this moment? I think I think it just, you know... Having a near near life death experience, you know, is just <laughs> it, I mean real. it's eye opening. Like you know, I, I don't I try to kiss my kids and wife every day before I leave the door because you don't know what's gonna happen. You know, I, I mean, granted, I'm not in a time of war or anything like that, but uh, you know, you could you could die driving in a car. You know, pull yeah. up. You know, so it's it's just uh, it opened my eyes and that that perspective. Man. Well, that was a beautiful talk that we had today. And today is February 23rd. It is day, what I say, 26 that I'm in? Man, I'm almost there for the 30 days. And um, like I always want to tell my people that are listening, you know, I share it with y'all. Take care of yourself during COVID. Do whatever you got to do. Take care of your family. Forgive yourself. Forgive those that have that have, that have sinned against you. And... Um, and love yourself. Love yourself unconditionally. And also love those that have done you wrong. But love those right now around you because you know that they need it, all right? So that you boy, I'm going to highlight you. And, you know, we're going to have a special talk coming up soon with my son Jonah that I hadn't... Y'all going to hear from my son Jonah that I hadn't talked... The only reason we're doing this right now, and it's a little, 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 little secret. The only reason we're making this pop off, man, my son Jonah, for seven years, we ain't talking. We're going to highlight them. So we're going to have this talk here soon. So y'all be cool. Take care of yourself. And uh, 